Today on episode 17 of Raising Financial Freedom, I have a financial literacy teacher for you. Her name is Jacqueline Collins Prester, and she is definitely on the front lines when it comes to talking about financial literacy. Now, Jacqueline is the treasurer of the MassQ Board of Directors, president of the Massachusetts Business Educators Association's Board of Directors and co-founder of EdCamp Southeastern Massachusetts. So now let's take a dive into financial literacy and see what we could learn as parents. As always, I think my daughter is calling me. Dad, hurry up and turn on the music. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to have it all financially? Do well-off parents simply hand their children money? Or is there more to this wealth thing? Welcome to Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. We are here to talk about everything you never knew to teach your children when it comes to starting their financial future. The principles behind wealth and methods that are out there to teach your child about personal financial freedom. There is no real trick to earning other than learning. We are here to discuss, teach, and grow with you. Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast, with your host and concerned parent, Eric Yard. Let us get right into today's show. Welcome to another episode of Raising Financial Freedom. Today, I have Jacqueline Colin Prester. Jacqueline, how are you doing today? Hi, Eric. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me let, here. Let the people know where you're coming out of. I am just outside of Boston, how Mass. How about that? How about that? How's the weather over there? Uh, crazy New England weather. We were 60 degrees yesterday and we're down into the 30s oh, today. Oh, I can't take that. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Jacqueline. So let's get right into it. Okay. Taking a bird's eye overview, in your opinion... What is the overall state of financial literacy in this country? Right now, I think we're starting to do a better job. Right now, the estimate is that our students, about one in six students, are getting financial literacy education in the schools, and we can do a lot better than that. So there are some movements out there to provide financial literacy education in the schools for students from kindergarten all the way up to grade 12. And it's so important for that because students at such a young age are really starting to build those financial skills and and be aware of financial skills. So it's really important to get them at a young age and and build that financial literacy and and mold it over the years so that by the time they're out of school, they have a, a better understanding of money and financial capability and can make those decisions. I'm very fortunate in my school that so many of the students choose to take personal finance and they know and understand the importance of it, but it's not that way in all schools around the country. There's a movement to make it a requirement and make it available for all students. Wow. So Jacqueline, in your opinion, how many classes, how much should we taught to children? You start off slow. My own son, uh, he's 11 right now. And starting when he was young, two, three years old, we talked about money. We, I showed him coins 
and told him the value of the coins and started building number sense. Something simple as number sense and understanding the difference between a penny and a dime or a dime and a nickel and understanding that there's value between those and that it it stands for something and that the value of that money equates to something of value. Starting small like that is really important. Even Sesame Street has great videos and Sesame Street starts introducing those same concepts at a really young age because students need to be exposed to that. And then you can build upon it as the students grow. Yep. Sesame Street is a big helper. Definitely. Yeah, it is. They have a lot of great resources. So why do you think so little financial literacy is not taught? Uh, I think that there are so many other focus points on other subject areas. I think it comes down to funding. There's a, a lack of teacher resources, not just curriculum. I think there's a lot of fabulous curriculum. There's a lot of amazing free curriculum out there for teachers who are are teaching this subject material, but I think just teachers in general who are available and knowledgeable for the subject matter. And I think a lot of it unfortunately comes down to funding for those types of teachers in schools. A lot of what the a lot of the other mandates just take over. And I don't think everyone sees the value in it. And I think that that's a good point that you made there, the value in it. And why do you think people just don't see the value in it? Or is it because they're looking for a quick gratification out of that or what? I don't see why they would not. There's a lot of different things that are important for life skills, things that are going to be helpful and useful for students to operate in the real world outside of school. And they're not taught in our schools anymore. And I think this is just one of those things. I think back to when I was in middle school and I took home ec. I learned how to sew. I learned how to cook. Those things aren't taught in schools anymore either, generally speaking. Some schools might have those programs, but a lot of them don't have them anymore. And I think personal finance sometimes falls into that bucket as well, where schools might assume that it's being taught at home. And what I have found quite often is that parents aren't always comfortable with the material or parents are sometimes questioning their own knowledge or their own skills, or maybe they are embarrassed about their own lack of um, comfort with the material, or maybe they don't feel like they've been successful and they don't really want to share that with their children. I think it's a combination of everything, a combination of all the schools, funding, lack of qualified teachers to teach the material, sometimes parents not feeling comfortable, whether it's because of their lack of knowledge or embarrassment or simply not being aware of the need because their students aren't learning it at school. So what can a parent who is not financially literate do in order to have their children succeed? Can you give us some action steps? Sure. There are a lot of resources out there. There are so many great free resources for parents to access where they can 
learn with their students where they can show videos. There are, there are short little video clips that talk about different subjects and, and very easy to understand terminology. One of the curriculum programs that I've actually worked quite closely with, Discovery Education worked with Discover to create a series of curriculum vignettes for both middle school and high school. And it's called Pathways Pathways to Financial Literacy, or sorry, Pathways to Financial Success. And one of the things that they have are videos that explain financial literacy topics. And I think the videos are amazing because they use easy to understand terminology. But one of the things I really like about their curriculum is that they have a whole section called Family Connections. And it gives teachers a way to connect what you're teaching your students in school to their families. So you can actually give tasks to your students to bring home to work with their families and and involve their families and everything. So parents could actually access this sub-site, this sub-website, and do these tasks on their own. They could do these different activities and talk about the financial planning or talk about a budget or talk about what a credit card can do for their family and ways to use it responsibly. They can access that themselves and have these conversations with these discussion points. And I, I think that is a great thing for families to do because it opens up that discussion and it makes it not such a taboo topic. Mm. So this program, have you seen a lot of success with it? I have. I actually, it's funny because when I have parents come in for parent-teacher conferences, jokingly, they'll wag their finger at me or they'll laugh at me and say, oh, so you're the one who has put my student up to saying I need to check my credit score or that I need to go to this particular site and I need to get a copy of my credit report. They've been nagging me for weeks to do this. And And then they look at me and they say, thank you. I haven't done this or I never knew how to do it before. And I'm glad I know now. So it's good to hear that my students are learning in the classroom and then they go home and they do actually share that with their parents. So it's nice to hear that the information is filtering home and that parents will then report back to me or in passing, they'll say something about what conversations are transpiring at home. So I, I appreciate that. And I I do send newsletters home to my parents and I will relay some of the information that we're learning in the classroom to involve them because some of them do tell me that they wish they could take my class as well, that they feel like they never had this kind of education themselves and they want to know how to do these things that their kids are learning. Mm. Wow. Wow. So you sound like you're really making some real progress there in strides with that program. Yeah, I I have a lot of resources that I use depending on which audience I'm trying to reach. And I try to communicate it in any way I can to the, the students, the families, the parents and guardians, because I think just getting everyone involved and giving them options to access the material is so important any way they can. There's material that is available online for free for families that need it in print form. I have free packets or free um, brochures that are provided by another 
another source. So I have those in my classroom too. And those come from an organization called NEFE. It's N-E-F-E. It's the National Endowment for Financial Education. And they provide free print material for my students. So I'm able to give them an actual packet or brochure. So I feel like my students are very well covered. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like they were really (laughs) covered. That amount of information is always needed. And for me, I, I believe if you go overboard with the information, that is good because now you're giving them an X amount of options to select from and to be mm-hmm. comfortable with. So I think that's right. good. I think that's very good. What ways do you think financial literacy affects generational wealth? Uh, generational wealth. As soon as students understand how time is on their side and time is a huge benefit for them, the sooner they start, the better off they are. And starting early, with savings and investing is only going to benefit them. And then it just, it's this snowball that just builds and builds and it puts them in such a better financial situation that it allows so many more opportunities for them. Then it passes on to their, their children. It passes on to the next generation where they get to give that opportunity to their children and that knowledge to their children. And one of the things that I've added into my class this year, both in personal finance and in entrepreneurship, is how there has been a lot of embedded racism in the financial industry in general. And we've talked about how that has affected generational wealth and the building of generational wealth. And my students never really understood that or took that to heart or really thought about how that affects Mm -hmm. others, simply buying a house and building equity has a huge long-term effect on the wealth and equity that a person can build. And showing them numbers and examples of things that have happened in the past and how that can affect a person going forward, I literally see mouths drop open. Mm And, you know, I'm glad that I've been able to incorporate that into my classes this year for, like I said, for both personal finance and in entrepreneurship, the same kind of the topic and and how it has affected both personal finance and investments and then entrepreneurs going after funding. A a company that I, I work with quite frequently and provides fantastic professional development for teachers, next-gen personal finance, they have done an awesome job providing professional development on this topic for us. And the materials they've given us have been great. And so I immediately jumped right on it and said, I need to give this to my kids. They need to know more about this. And I wasn't afraid to start putting it right into my, my curriculum right away. That's good. That's very good. They need to understand the history. Absolutely. It's disgusting. Understand the history behind it and how moving forward generationally that you can change your family tree and absolutely change it with knowledge from the back. Mm -hmm. And I like what you're doing. I definitely like that you're giving them the actual facts and the numbers so they can understand this is what's going on and this is what used to happen. And this is the future of financial literacy and you learning about how to spend your money. Mm -hmm. So 
on that note, what do you feel is the byproduct of having zero financial literacy that's out there? What will be the byproduct of that? Not having any exposure to the education. Honestly, I think right now we are living it. Nobody ever expects a pandemic to hit. <laughs> no one ever expects financial insecurity or instability. So many people are hurting right now because of jobs that are unstable. People have been laid off, unemployment. So many people right now are not in stable jobs where they have a full-time employment and the gig economy is growing more and more. So a lot of people need to budget in a different way than they ever have been before, where income is unpredictable where you might have had 40 hours a week with a, with wages or you might have had a salary and you could predict what your income was every month. The gig economy has turned that on its side and people no longer have a, a, that predictability to budget and not having any kind of background in financial literacy or how to deal with that kind of chaos like I guess financial chaos in your life um, is hard to cope with. And we've all been in this, it, oh my God, it's coming up on almost a year, 12 months, 10 months right now. And I think our students need to be better prepared for that because if COVID has taught us anything, it's that you can't prepare for, or you can't expect everything that's going to come your way. And I think we need to be prepared for all sorts of scenarios. And I would feel a whole lot more comfortable if my my own child had this in his school so that he could be prepared and ready to tackle whatever comes his way as an adult. Right. On that note, what lessons are you teaching your child on a daily basis about financial literacy? <laughs> he is a very bright child <laughs> and he pays attention to everything. Um, like I said before about the number sense, we, we made sure that he understood numbers and the value of numbers in comparison to each other. You know, we played a lot of card games when he was little. We still do. So he understood numbers and comparisons to each other. So when we talk about money or we talk about just numbers in general, he understands them in comparison to each other. We talked about money at an early age. So he understood that money is not free. It doesn't grow on trees, that you work for the money that you have. He had has an allowance and he has certain things that he does to earn money. He also has chores that he does just because he's part of a family because you know, have a family responsibility. There are There's a difference between those two things. And I know that people debate that kind of thing. But there's also a fun component to it. We, I gamify, you know, that's a big word in education, but there's a lot of fun to be had with it. And if he can learn something without knowing that he's learning something, I feel like that's a parenting win. <laughs> One of the companies I, I had mentioned earlier, Next Gen Personal Finance, they have a whole series of arcade games and I have bookmarked them on his Chromebook for him and on his desktop computer. So if he has some free time or downtime between classes when he's doing his remote learning, he'll go in and he'll play some of these arcade games. And the arcade games have, um, they're fun. They're things like budgeting where you're playing with a magician and you're buying magic tricks for him and you're helping him get ready for a show. But it's all about budgeting. 
And you don't necessarily know that right up front, but the concepts behind the game are all about budgeting. There's other games about compound interest and managing credit, but it's called Cat Insanity. And it's like whack-a-mole where you're feeding these cats and you're clicking on cats and the cats just keep appearing and appearing. And it's hard to get off the screen because there's just cats out of control. You can, and then there's some other games that are a little bit older for him, but you can pretend to be an Uber driver and see if you can actually make it as an Uber driver. And I like to tie that into the gig economy. There's other ones about interest for being a loan shark and investing and and planning for college and insurance. And I think playing those kind of games and learning something while you're playing the games, but you don't really know you're learning, there's something to be said for that too, because it sparks your interest. And then when you tell them they're actually learning, then you can segue into the other things and expand. It's your hook. Ah, I see. So Jacqueline, I could tell that on the listeners can also tell that you enjoy teaching. When did you realize you had a passion for teaching? <laughs> I love what I do. And it's actually funny. I never wanted to be a teacher. Wow. <laughs> I went to college. My undergrad degree was in accounting and computer information systems. And I started out working at software companies. I worked on financial software. And I was doing all sorts of things in, in software companies from quality assurance testing to customer support, but I gravitated towards consulting. And as a consultant, I traveled around the country and I did all sorts of things from fixing corrupted data to actually training my clients. And that became my favorite part of my job was training my clients how to use the software. And eventually something clicked in my head and I said, you know, I really like this. I, I love this part of my job was in these classrooms that my company had set up throughout the country. I loved teaching my clients and something just hit me and said, you know what, why don't you just do this all day long? You can do this all day long. So I started investigating different pathways to the classroom and I took the teacher's tests and I got licensed in Massachusetts and I got a teaching job and a mid-year replacement and I quit my job and I broke it to my family and they were all shocked, very supportive, but shocked, especially my parents, because at the time they were both public school teachers. So it's funny that everyone jokes that I went into the family business. <laughs> right back to where it all began, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my parents have since retired, but I, I can't imagine doing anything else. I, I love what I do. Wow. That's good. What is the one resource you use the most often when teaching financial literacy? Next Gen Personal Finance. Hands down, my favorite. They, I can't say enough about the organization itself, the people that work there. They do so much for curriculum development. They do so much for the, the teachers, the support. There is so much professional development for teachers and it's all free. All of the curriculum is free. They have 
contests for students. They give away scholarships for students, prizes for students. It's just, uh, I can't say enough about it. They do advocacy work. Last year, the year before, I can't remember when it actually came out, they actually produced a documentary to promote financial literacy. Their documentary is called The Most Important Class You Never Had. And it is out on YouTube. It's on their website. It's ngpf.org. And it goes through different scenarios of teachers and different types of classrooms around the country and follows them and talks to the students. So you hear student voice, you hear the student voice and hear why it's so important to them to actually have this class and learn about this material. And I just, it impresses me to no end what NextGen does and how much they provide for free <laughs> to all of these groups. They advocate for, at the state and, lo- and national level. They do everything for the students and for the teachers. And they just, they're amazing. Wow. And the key word in that was for free. Absolutely free. Everything is free. Well, let's talk about financial freedom. Everyone talks about it and strives to achieve it. What are the odds of them achieving that without financial literacy? It's, I think everyone has the opportunity, but I think it's going to be a lot more likely if they have some sort of education and behind it and and know what to do. You're not going to be successful unless you have the right tools. You know, we can add more tools to the toolbox and, and make it more likely that the students will succeed. And I can't think of anything more important than providing the right tools for our students to be financially literate and financially capable and making them self-sufficient. Okay. What is the one thing people don't realize about financial literacy? literacy. What is the one thing people don't realize about it? I would say that it's not an inherent quality that everyone has. People don't just know it. You really have to learn it. Not everybody understands how credit scores work. Not everyone understands, silly as it sounds, how a checking account works and how balances work because there's a reason that banks are willing to provide checking accounts or credit cards or things like that because they're making money off of you. And it's important for people to understand how those products work and how you can make them work for you and use them responsibly so that banks don't make money off of you. And I don't think everyone has a true understanding of those products or these concepts. And just having someone explain them to them or give them a crash course in it, even if you don't have a a full semester course in high school, even if someone just gave you a a crash course or the, the key points, I think it would be truly helpful for a lot of people out there to help them succeed. Or, or do better than they, they were previously. Right. Jacqueline, what piece of advice can you give the parents on their journey with their kids to financial literacy and freedom? I would say that it's okay to talk about money. It's okay to talk about financial literacy, anything about money. It's okay to talk about it. It's not a taboo topic. You don't need to get into details with your children. I'm not saying take out your credit card statements or take out your monthly checking account documentation. You don't need to go into details about your own personal information because I know a lot of people are guarded 
about their own financial situation. And that's okay. You don't need to do that. You don't need to give them details, but be willing to have the conversation about money in general. Let your children know that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to ask questions. There's commercials on TV, commercials on the radio. There's things about money that come up in in life. And if children don't have the ability to ask someone about it because money is a taboo topic, they'll always wonder or they'll form their own opinions about what that actually means. And I think that can be even more dangerous. Yeah, definitely. For them to just go about it and Google or just hear from other people is, I don't think it's a good thing. Yeah, that's one of the things I tell my students in class. I tell them to interrupt me at any point, no matter what we're talking about, something pops into your head, something that you've heard about, interrupt me and ask, because I want you to have that resource. I want you to be able to get your questions answered, because if you don't have that, or if you you are wondering about something, I'll answer it for you. I'll give you, (laughs) and if I can't answer it for you, I'll find out the answer and get back to you. But I don't want you wondering and I don't want you to come up with an answer that is not correct or invent something that you think it is. I I want to be able to put it straight. So on that note, since you are are a teacher, uh, what frustrates you the most when teaching financial literacy? What frustrates me? I think it's that it's not required (laughs) of all classes that I can think of. This is something my students are going to have in the future. And I tell them, you are going to have money in the future, whether it is $50 or a million dollars. And I want to give you the tools and the know-how to get everything you want out of that money. So I want you to be educated and I want you to be prepared to do what you can with that $50 or the million dollars to get every single thing you want out of it and be ready to to deal with it in a smart way. And I don't think you can say that for every single subject that is out there or being taught. Everyone will have some amount of money in the future and you should know how to deal with it. Wow, sounds great. So Jacqueline... Parents, Mm -hmm. the listeners, how can they get in contact with you in order to learn more and just to take their child to that next level? I am on social media. Social media, you can reach me on Twitter is where I'm most active. And on Twitter, my handle is J, then Jacqueline, Collins, C-O-L-I-N-S, and then M-A for Massachusetts. You can reach out there. That's where I'm most active. But on my handle there is a a link for Linktree that goes out to all of my other social handles. I think my email address might be out there as well in my website. So you can reach me out there anywhere else. All right. All right, Jacqueline. Thank you for coming out to Raising Financial Freedom and sharing with us. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Now, that interview was packed with actionable food for thought. One thing I've taken out of that interview is don't let your past failures stop you from sharing and teaching your child about money. It doesn't matter where you are in life. You have to remember that you have a child or you have children, and they're the ones that are going to carry on your family name. Essentially, they are your legacy. So don't be scared to share the family finances with them. You don't have to share everything, but share enough so they could catch on and start learning. Another thing that Jacqueline reminded us is that time is on your child's side. 
And we as parents should take full advantage of it. Let's lay down the foundation and plant the seeds of success in them right now so that you and your children could be proud of the fruits of your labor. Next week, I have a great show for you. It's all about multiple sources of income. Yes, side hustles. We are going to get into how your child could have more than one income stream. Now, as always, I would like you to share with other parents and just flat out tell them about this show. You know, Email them, text them, call them, whatever, but let them know about this show. This would definitely help us out. So until next week, stay safe. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Raising Financial Freedom, the podcast. Stay connected with us directly through RaisingFinancialFreedom.com. You can also join the discussion on social media, which you can also find links on our website. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through info at RaisingFinancialFreedom.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, be kind to yourself and each other. 